Welcome to Momentum Church. Said I am who God said I am. Um, you know what? You ain't lame no more. Come on, somebody. I said you're not lame no more. God has given you authority and power and ability to rise up, and you don't have to limp your way to heaven anymore, amen? And there's times you come into a room like this. I don't know if you're a guest with us today, and sometimes you'll come into a room like this, and you may think to yourself, but I know who I really am. Or maybe way back at some point, you got a story. How many has a story in here? Be honest. Raise your hand. I know you do. Yes, yeah. And you may think, I might have a story. Now, I don't know what that story might be, but the enemy would love to say over your life, you're an adulterer. But you know what? I know who I am in Jesus, right? That's the declaration, declaration you can make in that moment because that's not who you are anymore. And, and as pastor, I love this. Because as pastor, I know y'all's stories. <laughs> you know what's cool about that? I know your stories and I still love you. But you know what? Your heavenly father loves you even more. Amen? And there are adulterers here and adulteresses here and there are thieves here and there are racists, ex-racists here and there are people also drug addicts love you love you <laughs> when I was a kid and, and, and I'm sometimes I just have to go old school is that okay sometimes when I was a kid they would sing this song they would say I am who God said I am I am because God said I am I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me I am because God said I am and now back then days, they'd be like, I am, because God said, and they, you know, they, remember, yeah, how many was raised around that before? Yeah, yeah. And then they would sing, I can shout because God said I am. I'm going to shout because God said I am. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I'm going to shout because God said I am. Can you shout for a second? Just shout a little bit. <laughs> Woo! I'm not going to sing no more, but. And everyone's like, yay, <laughs> no. But man, I just, as a kid, I can remember thinking all those lies over my life. And we'd be in church, and the enemy would start to say, you ain't going to mount to nothing. This is who you are. You all realize how much detention your pastor served? <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's, I mean, like, I lived after school in a detention hall. I lived big portions of my life in what they called the hole, which was in-school suspension. I know that's very difficult for you to believe. Without Jesus, I would have been behind bars, I'm sure. So, but I would hear those songs at church and I would leave going, man, I am somebody in Jesus. Amen? And that has nothing to do with my sermon. <laughs> I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, over to John chapter 5. And today is a sermon that, that is going to be kind of challenging in a lot of ways for us to hear. And, um, and, and my mind goes back to kind of the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And probably one of the reasons why my mind goes there is one of my favorite authors of all time is A.W. Tozer. Has anybody heard of A.W. Tozer? Okay. So A.W., I love his stuff. And, and through the years have read everything that he has. I would think almost everything. Amy and I do a devotional every day that's out of a bunch of his books. It's just a compilation. And there's so many times, this man writing in the 40s and 50s, there's so many times that I read through things and Amy and I are like that's the church today the same stuff the same weaknesses the same need to jump up on somebody's back and have somebody else carry you because you haven't pressed into Jesus enough for yourself to get legs up under yourself that same kind of smile 
That same kind of a thing. It's nothing new. And so in the 40s and 50s and 60s, something was happening culturally in our country. And this is really the root of American Christianity. It really became something where Jesus and apple pie became synonymous. And as long as I had church in my life, then I had Jesus in my life. Maybe even, even not that. As long as I had apple pie and a flag in my life, I had Jesus in my life. And what it did is it allowed us to be carried by the church and to think that we were okay as long as I had my name associated with some placard in the community. You know, so I went to First Baptist. I mean, that little, I'm not in the same First Baptist as bad, right? It's a nice little church over there. I went to First Baptist. I went to First United Methodist. I went to whatever it might have been. I went to, you know, Full Gospel Holiness, you know, Church of the Rapture, Jesus Christ, Amen, Church. You know, whatever it was, I had my placard, my apple pie, and I had Jesus, and they all got kind of mixed together. And, and, and then next thing you know, you have 30, 40, 50, 60 years now where, where Jesus is still looking for his church to rise up. Amen. And, and, and as I read A.W., it blows my mind because I'm like, Amy, this is us still today. We're still struggling to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like collectively, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of that. But, a per you know, Amy and I have a personal relationship. Amen? We do. We have five children. All right? Here's the thing about that personal relationship. That woman will tell me what to do. And I will listen. It's a personal relationship right? How many know you're supposed to have a personal relationship with Jesus? He tells us what to do, and we're supposed to, I said, he tells us what to do, and we're supposed to, yeah, yeah, Jesus is waiting for that for his church again, amen? And, and so culturally, there's a lot of things that I believe have mixed into the church, and we've got to be careful, because it can create a system that is the church, and guess what? Systems don't heal us, Systems don't fix us. Systems don't change politics. Systems don't change the hearts of men changed by a personal relationship with Jesus changes everything. We have a room full here of people that I'm challenging you today to something. It's gonna, at first, it's, not gonna, it's gonna seem very political, all right? But I hope you can understand the kingdom principle behind it that I'm trying to get, and it's all about a personal relationship with Jesus as his people. Now, here's the thing. I got given a stack of newspapers this week by Pastor Brantley. Don't you all love Pastor Brantley? Yeah. I do. He doesn't give gifts, but he gave me a gift. And he gave me a stack of papers, and these are all from the 50s, and they're a ministry paper that went out to preachers, and it's called The Sword of the Lord. You almost, you almost know when you got to read this, it's going to be like, oh, like little uhs in there. You know, like, and the Lord, uh. They even wrote uh. No, I'm kidding. But here's the thing I want to read out of this. And the reason why, and this is going to take a little bit of a hard turn here, but think of what I was saying about A.W. The stuff he was saying was so apropos to today. It really was. And then when you start to read through this, I'm seeing the things they're struggling with. And I couldn't believe it. The very first one I picked up is dealing with race desegregation principles and problems. And I was like, wow, what were they thinking in the 50s, church folk? And, and, and basically, as you begin to read this, they were thinking, hey, God made us all equal. Y'all just stay over that way and be equal over there. And we'll just stay over this way and be equal over here. And that'll be, that'll be good, you know. And how many know, I love that Jesus wants to mess stuff up. 
because the system is broke. Amen? And so the healer wants to show up, and he wants to just bring, bring blessing. And so I want to read something. This really was cool to me, and I think this is going to be cool to you, too, because there's a passage in here, a little, not passage, but a little point that, gosh, this is heavy. Now listen, this is heavy. Listen, Negro ministers, unfortunately, have also very often had a bad influence. And, and, and if you read the article, you will be able to make the case they didn't stay in line. So they had a bad influence, right? Check this out. This blew my mind. The Negro minister in Birmingham who led in the organization of a Negro boycott of the buses led that fight. This is talking about Martin Luther King Jr. They don't even know his name. That's how old this 56. This is the coolest thing. I'm reading going... I know that guy. I don't know him personally, but this is amazing. <laughs> and it goes on. Now watch this. He led that fight, unfortunately, not as a Christian leader trying to make good Christians and to lead in Christian understanding between the races. He led that boycott as a modernist and a socialist who was more concerned about racism than he was about Christianity. Y'all, there's nothing more Christian than reconciling lives. Amen? And when I read it, I just thought, wow. The, the, the 40s and 50s, or even in the early 60s, had created this culture of the church that we like what we have. It's nice and neat and it's tidy. And this is the system. This is how it's supposed to be. And anything bucking the system, it's not good Christians. It's not good. It's, it's, and, and here's the thing. The reason why that sounds similar to what's going on now, just so much tension and strife and stuff. And you know why? And even the idea of AW and us struggling to walk in a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know why? Because we're humans. And our hearts, scriptures say, are desperately evil apart from Jesus. Amen? And so this system, the church system is broken. Can I tell you that right now? If you were relying on Momentum Church for your spiritual growth, and we are the main responsible ones for you growing, can I tell you, get off the back of the church and get into the hand of your Savior and let him walk you into maturity in a personal relationship because I'm just going to tell you, Momentum Church is broke. Pastor just said we ain't got no money. No, no, no. (laughs) No. I'm saying systems will always fail you. Systems won't heal you. And so let me just say at the church first, that system, it's not going to heal you. But Jesus can. Hmm. And so here we can see if we're not careful when it comes to church stuff, when it comes to the politics of the day, when it comes to all the tension that we're experiencing right now, we can see a wholesale attempt to cripple our nation. And I'm not saying like just, you know, praise America. I'm just saying in general to cripple, this is the country I live in, so I see a wholesale attempt to cripple us. All right? I see pundits and politicians on the right, and I see pundits and politicians on the left, and I see jokers in... Oh, yeah. And there's an attempt to cripple America. And to be honest, it's not about America. There's an attempt to cripple our hearts by causing us to be bent on division and destruction. And what that does, it makes a lame church. The people of Christ should be able to be the ones standing upright, walking, both black, white, Hispanic, Asian, those in police uniforms, those in firemen uniforms, those, whatever it is, walking side by side into what God has for us together. Amen? That's how it should be. (coughs) Excuse me. But the enemy of our heart would love for us to be, everybody say, lame. 
Yeah, the word lame means to be made weak or ineffective. Weak or ineffective. Don't you think the enemy would love for us to be weak and ineffective? Oh, yeah, he would. So here's what I want you to see, all right? Because I want you to understand the battle that we're raging in, the fight that we're in right now on a whole, all of us together, collectively. It's not just a sociological thing. It's not a political thing. It's it's the work of, of the enemy. Let me get there. I'll get there. Let's look at John 5. Stand to your feet. I love to stand up when we read the word. I'm just going to have you stand up for a couple verses. I'm going to read through verse 9. I'm going to start with just 1 through, through 2. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. Watch this, verse 3. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Jesus, help us. Become the church, Lord God, that rises up in your strength. Help us, Lord, to lead a movement wherever we go of people that begin to rise up together in your strength. Lord God, we are tired of being weak and ineffective. Help us do what it takes, Lord, to have your kingdom expressed in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise and have your seat. Amen. You can have your seats. So in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame. And think of that like our, our world right now. People are blind on both sides of the arguments. Every, and what arguments? Tons of arguments. But we go at it blindly. We don't go at it from a place of trying to see from other people's perspectives. We go through things blind. That idea of lame, you know, that idea that this dog won't hunt. You know, things that are going on in our life. It's like, like we want to see function. We want to see focus and, and, and force and, and change. But the dog won't hunt. It's lame. It won't go forward. The idea of being paralyzed, ineffective. Man, God wants us to rise up in healing that he has. Now watch this. My friend, Pastor Chino Echeverria, he pastors Greater Church over in Kennesaw. He said it this way. This isn't about a black man murdered and paraded through social media. This isn't about police officers being murdered and paraded through social media. This is about an all-out satanic war declared against humanity. And he says, wake up. Do you know why there's a war against humanity? Because black flesh is made in the image of God, imago Dei. And white flesh is made in the image of God, imago Dei. And like, like mocha brown flesh is made in the image of God, the imago Dei. And Asian flesh is made in the imago Dei, the image of God. And Satan hates the image of God. So he allows systems and things to come into place that put people in places where brokenness is perpetuated and where, where division can continue to get deeper and deeper and where our, 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 our love for our country becomes something, I love America, but it becomes something that we elevate even above our love for Jesus. I'm all about the red people, not just the red, white, and blue. The blood of Jesus is everything to me. And I thank him that he has me born right here in this country. I do. Hmm. 
The enemy is trying to keep laying God's people, but God wants to rise us up in the kingdom and his power and his responsibility so that we can walk after his spirit. Watch what happens. Jesus comes to a man that's paralyzed in this story. And in verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. How many is, is around that age? Anybody in here? About 35 to 40? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine your whole life paralyzed? That's the story that he knows. Okay, this is his life. This is his story. This is his narrative. He, he has been held down, if you will. All right? That's all he knows is that story. And Jesus comes along, and Jesus sees him lying there, and he knew he'd been there a long time, and he says to him, do you want to be healed? Now, if you've been laying there 38 years, and I come to you, Brett, and I say, Brett, do you want to be healed? What do you think your answer would be? Yeah. Oy vey, yeah. Heal me now. Oh, my gosh, I've been here all my life. Heal me. But that's not what the man says. The man doesn't even think that we can be healed. It's almost like if I think about our country and all the pain that we're in, it's like, can we even be healed? Can we ever get past this? Can we ever find victory in all this struggle? Is it even possible? And so here's what the man says, all right? Jesus asked, you want to be made healed? You want to be made well? You want to be healed? The sick man answers him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going another steps down before me. Do you see that? Jesus just asked a simple question. Do you want an expression of my gospel message to become living and evident in your life right now? He didn't say all that. But the gospel, the freedom that comes, mind, body, soul, all those things that God comes to set us free and to redeem us. Do you want an expression of the kingdom in your life right now? And the guy's like, eh, maybe, eh. Yeah, look, there's an angel, and the angel stirs the water. And if, they, if, the, if the water's stirred and I can get there, good for me. If I can't get there, you know what? Nobody helps me, so since nobody helps me, here's what he does. He points to a broke system. Do you catch that? Jesus, giver of life, not just to white folk, but to every color folk, every occupation, giver of life. And Jesus comes. Do you want to be made well? No, no, no. Let me show you how bad the system is. And guess what? The system is bad. We're going to talk about that because we have to be able to know our story. All right? We have to be able to own our story if we're going to change our story. Does that make sense? All right? So we're going to talk about that here in a second. We're going to get a little, a little deep here in a second, okay? And, um, but here's the thing. He comes to him, and he says, I don't have anybody put me in the water. But Jesus just says to him, get up. Take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. In other words, in that moment, this man's whole story began to change. And all I'm saying is, we live in a broke system, and a system won't ever heal us. Jesus can heal us. Amen? But if we're going to be agents of that healing, and I believe the church is supposed to be, all right, then we're going to have to understand and know the story a little bit. So if we're going to know the story, just go with me on this a little bit. Okay, as pastor, we've got to speak to not just your, your spiritual being, but we've got to speak to every aspect sometimes. And so this is part of, of speaking to how we're doing life in our current world today. All right? And so knowing the story. This guy was invalid for 38 years. That was his story. We need to know our story. And I'd like to say we have a broke system in our world, in our country. But you know what? We don't have a broke system. We have a system that actually works. All right? We have a system that works. We have a system engineered perfectly to get the, the, the results desired. And, and the problem with that is, as the church, we're not supposed to be the one pointing to the system. We're the ones supposed to be pointing to Jesus. We know the system's broken. Let's walk after the heart 
of Jesus. Let's walk after how he would have us to minister to people, how he would have us to engage, how he would have us to rise up, even with holy indignation, how he would have us to act in our, in our broken world, this broken system. How would Jesus have us to be this way? And so often the problem with it, though, is the church has been on the wrong side of history too many times. You know that? I mean, let me give you two words. And, um, and I don't know if this will give you a visceral reaction, but it might. Manifest destiny. That's awesome. If you're a white European, it rocks. If you're an Arapaho, if you're a Creek, if you're a Cherokee, not so much. Right? So manifest destiny from the East Coast to the West Coast. God has ordained our white Jesus. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But our Jesus, our European Jesus, he has ordained for us to have it all. Amen? And so guess what? The system worked. Even to this day, there are many, 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 many Native Americans on reservations living below the poverty line. You know, and people might say, but, but pastor, this, this, I know there's outliers. I get that. I'm just saying the system worked and we get to benefit from that all these years later. But pastor, I didn't do that. I know you didn't. I'm just saying, guess what? The system worked. The problem with manifest destiny in that time, conquering of the Native Americans, we as Christian leaders, as spiritual leaders, we deemed them heathens, and by that religious leadership of the day, deeming them heathens, we were able to overtake them as a ministry to them. But you, you know what you call that? And this is, I'm going to say a few words today that are kind of buzzwords, but please, just don't let the air go out of you. Don't pass out, okay? You know what that's called? Like, we're just, we're doing this, for your benefit, but, we're, but, but yeah, it's, it, we're taking, we're, we're, it's called white supremacy. Because manifest, that, that, that's for us to have supremacy and to have all of this. And it was wrong. And it was a sin and an injustice in our, in our world. Did you cause that sin? No. Are you repentant of that sin? Yes. But I just want you to understand, there are people wanting to be healed today. The system can't heal. It's broken. But we as a church get to point people to Jesus and real change, real unity, real reconciliation, real, amen? Mm. Out of that idea of white, white supremacy comes that word white privilege that we all just absolutely hate, right? Everybody, oh, well, he's talking about white privilege, you know? Y'all, guess what? I have been privileged. I have been. I know that. I get that. I'm not saying that I didn't have rough days and rough times, but there are things in my life that I think have gone easier because of the color of my skin. I definitely feel that. And then the final word I want to speak to that we need to just kind of um, be comfortable with. Okay, Is that okay if I just say it that way? These are words we just need to be comfortable with. I'm not here to put any white guilt on you, okay? Unless you need it, racist, okay? But if you, if, if you need it... If you need it, get it, all right? But I don't think we have any racists here. I don't. I think we have people that really want to understand our world and our culture and our community, okay? And so, um, <laughs> um, but the word I want to use, this is the third one, systemic racism. Okay, it speaks to a broken system. Or if you want to say, like I said earlier, a system that actually works. And I just want to give you one example because I really think it's important for us to have a heart of compassion. So systemic racism is basically the putting ahead of one race over another. That, that's kind of what happens. 
all right? And there is policy after policy in the last 400 years in our country that have led to a system of racism. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're sitting there, Pastor, I'm not a racist. I believe you. I believe you. What I'm saying is the waters that are trying to be stirred to change lives, this, this, this water over here, it's, it's just if you're in it, you're wet. We can't help it. We're in this world. We're in America. We're here. And so because of that, we have privilege. Because of that, there is, in a sense, um, 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 in a sense systemic racism. It's just, it's just evident. And I'm going to give you one policy, one example, and hopefully this will just open your eyes. I had a guy come to me afterwards. Pastor, I was the guy that was being the pundit and the politician, and thank you today for helping me be a priest. Amen? And, 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 and he was saying that these little, like the point I'm going to give, I just want you to see one policy. One, that's it. This is one policy. So, World War II takes place, and there's something called the GI Bill. As all these soldiers are coming out of the war, they got the GI Bill. And with the GI Bill, you got education and money for a home loan, right? A mortgage loan. And um, my grandfather benefited from this. He came out of the war, and he had finances. And there was a little house that my grandmother was building. Couldn't have been about half this size. And they more than doubled the house with those funds. And so they received that asset in their life, right? But I want you to watch something. This is kind of wild. In 1947, in Mississippi, there were only two loans given to black GIs. Now, Pastor, there was a lot less black GIs. You're right, there was. But watch the disparity. Two loans given to black GIs. There was 3,227 loans given to white GIs. Wow, that's a disparity. But Pastor, Jim Crow, that's the South. You know, I'm sure up North it wasn't that way. This is for all the Northerners here going, the South. No. (laughs) Everybody, we're all wet, all right? We're all wet. The system, we're all wet. That's, just, that's all I'm saying, okay? In New York and New Jersey, those two states, you ready for this? 67,000 mortgages were insured by the GI Bill. 67,000. Guess how many went to black men? 100. That's a little more than one-tenth of a percent went to a people, people of color. Now, I was telling you about my granddad and grandmother. So the money went into that house. In 1984 to 87, those 30-year notes started to mature, okay, or, or, or however that was. But mid-80s, those notes all start to mature, okay. And with that, people started to have wealth because of those loans, all right. So at that point, the average white family, about $100,000 in wealth, to the average black family, about $12,000 in wealth, all right. The suburbs had created a culture where the home value ship was a lot more, plus those GI bills allowed them to build those suburbs. Whole towns, whole suburbs were built with those funds, okay? Now, let me make it personal. My grandmother and grandfather, that became an asset in their life. And just a few years ago, grandmother passed away, and my dad and his sister sold that house. And guess what that's called? Retirement. I won't see any of it because my mother will not stay out of Goodwill, Dollar General, or Family Dollar. I mean, it's just, we have a plan. When she dies, we're just taking the hearse right by those stores. So, you know, one last, thank you, Shirley, thank you. It's true. But here's the thing about that. Now it's 2019. Those, 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 that, the, the asset that, that was paid off 30, 40 years ago, that is an asset now that my, my, my dad and his sister were able to have. And so now, 2019, for every dollar a white family has on average, a black family will have 8 to 10 cents. Now, that doesn't mean that black folk are lazy. 
Amen? The black friends I have are some of the hardest working people I know. Amen? Maybe have to work even harder. All I'm saying is one policy. Do you catch that? One. That's all I'm talking about. One policy created that much change in wealth between whites and blacks. Isn't that wild? Would you call that a system that was rooted? Well, pastor, but we don't. No, no, we do know. The mortgage companies would not give loans to the black folks like they did the white folks, period. They wouldn't. Now, the education side of the GI Bill, man, some of the most educated men came because of that. They came through that, and they used the GI Bill for education. But when it came to getting home ownership, which creates wealth for your family down the road, it was not afforded them. Can we have compassion to understand that and be able to say, okay, that's systemic racism? Does that make sense? Now, does that, hopefully you can understand when people talk about systemic racism, no, we're not race, racist. When we talk about white privilege, no, I don't feel very privileged. When we talk about white supremacy, well, I don't feel very supreme. I know, but culturally those waters are broken. They don't work, but Jesus doesn't want us relying on the waters. He says, do you want to be made well? And so we as a church, we need to go to Jesus. Amen? That's good stuff. <clears throat> All right. So, the number one thing I said, you have to know the story. I want you to know that story a little bit. Now you understand a little bit of where this stuff comes from. The second thing, you have to own the story. So as we own the story, can I tell you, millennials, I love you, but we don't need trendy activism. Come on. All right. So, I want you to be active. I love the protest. I really do. I have no problem with the protest, all right? And if you need to, go watch my video. I made a 30-minute video about a week and a half ago. If you go to the notes on your, your phones, the note where you can find the notes for today's sermon, at the bottom is that resource. Go watch it. And I talk about protests. I talk about riots. I talk about everything, okay? It's just it's more of a, a setting I can do that than this. But what I'm saying is I'm proud of our young people standing up, amen? We as a church should stand up, Amen? All I'm saying is trendy activism alone doesn't do anything. It, it's, it's, it's the heart change that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. It's when we have a personal relationship with Jesus and he begins to point out areas in our heart where, where we feel supreme. You know, I have a pastor friend that, that he's like, I didn't think, he was a black man, he's a black pastor friend. He's like, I didn't think I was racist till my white friend looked at me and said, would you be okay with your kid marrying my daughter? And he said in the moment, he's like, ooh, I'm racist. <laughs> like he said in that moment, he realized it. Like, like oh, my gosh, no, I, you know, all of us have those tinges, ten, 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 tendencies in us, you know. So don't just have trendy activism. What we need, guys, listen, we need the cross. What the cross is, is the place where we die to self so that Jesus can be seen. So in your protest, ask yourself, today is Jesus being seen or just my politics? And if Jesus is being seen, praise God, you're being the church. You're intersecting life, and God can bring healing to that situation. Amen? So the cross, and it's a place where I said we die to ourselves. There's things right now I'm preaching that some of you have bowed back upon a little bit. Maybe you've drawn your feet back a little bit. Maybe that's the part of you that needs to die to self a little and let the cross have its work in our lives. Amen? So we need the cross. We need conviction. That, that sense of there is something wrong here. There is something wrong in our world. There is something. So we need conviction, and conviction should lead to compassion. There's something wrong. And if I can do something about it, Lord, help me to make a difference in my relationships, in my community, and the things where I, do, where I go. 
And then the final thing, so we need the cross, we need conviction and compassion. And listen, we need the church coming together under the banner of Jehovah Nisi. All right, pastor, what's Jehovah Nisi? Nisi means the banner. So it's the banner of the Lord over us. As you go into battle, you'd have Jehovah Nisi. You'd have that banner, or as you would run to that banner for, to, to rally the troops around. So we run to the banner that is Jesus, amen? And like I said, that banner is red, if you will. It's not red, white, and blue, although I love our country. But the Lord is our banner. And if we're not careful, nationalism can be something, if we're not careful, that can get the church off its game. And we celebrate apple pie and all the stuff that's related to, the, to our country, which we love, but we're not celebrating Jesus. What happens when the country betrays the church? Guys, that's going to happen. Can I speak prophetically? The country is going to betray us. I don't know how that looks, and I don't know when. It may not even be in my lifetime. But Rome fell in a day, and there will come a reckoning, and we will be the scapegoats. The church will. It's always been that way. And at some point, the country will fail us. But Jesus never will. He won't fail the black folks, the white folks, the Asian folks, the Hispanic folks. He won't fail us together. Amen? That's why we need each other, all colors right now, so much. Because there will come a day when the world may fail the church. But Jesus won't fail us, and together we will stand. And the Bible even says they will know we are Christians by our love, one for another. Hmm. So we need a conviction and compassion. We need to come together under the banner of Jehovah Nisi, under the Lord that is our banner. Here's why. The prophet Isaiah in 42.1 says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. It's Jesus that sets things right. It's Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that sets things in order. And as we, church, don't rely on the church. Rely on Jesus. As we go into a personal, deeper relationship with Jesus, guess what? He will position you to be a priest. He'll position you to be an agent of change in your community. Amen? <clears throat> so, we have to know the story. We have to own the story. And then finally, we need to change the story. And can I just say it this way? The solution for a divided nation is a united church. That's the solution, amen? Amen. Clap so I can drink some water. Thank you. Amen. That's the solution for a divided nation, a united church, a church that's focused on reconciliation. That first point of reconciliation is with God. I challenge you today, don't point your finger ugly at the world if you know you haven't been on your knees for yourself. What's the ugliness inside? I got ugliness in me. Let's not point to the, to the world. The Bible says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So, Lord, right here, this is the temple of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, let judgment come here first. God, what, what in my heart needs to change? I want to be reconciled deeply to you, Jesus. Is there things that keep me from you? And as you are reconciled to him, oh, he just begins to make you a vessel that he can use even more. And so we focus on reconciliation first with God. And then we begin to focus on reconciliation with others, that other, the other part of that. Can I say it this way? It is not partisan to hold on to humanity and speak out against what is wrong in our country. It's not partisan. It's spiritual. All right? It's not partisan to stand up against what diminishes the view of the image of God in our world. It's not partisan. It's spiritual. 
We should stand up. We should speak what we know is right. We should develop a culture of reconciliation with others. In other words, we want to get in the middle, but not muddle the gospel message. I'm going to say that again. We need to get in the middle. That's part of that reconciliation with people, but not muddle the gospel message. We have to be careful of that. What, pastor, is the gospel message? Jesus came. He got into the fray. He pointed to a better way. He paid a price for you to receive justice. And then he invites us into the narrative of reconciliation as his hands and feet in the earth. Isn't that awesome? And he's coming back to see how we've done. I'm looking forward to the rapture. I really am. Like, like sometimes, like, like now, Jesus. <laughs> and so it's time to change the story. But can I say it this way? We change the story by recognizing we are priests, not pundits. We are prophets, not partisans. The prophet Micah in the Old Testament, he reproaches unjust leaders, and he defends the rights of the marginalized while pointing us forward to a peace that comes from being under the leadership of the Messiah. That's what he's pointing to. And he declares it this way in Micah 6, 6 through 8, because they want to go back to the system. Look how good we do church. Look, look, look how, how perfect we are in our little American Christian culture. I listen to the fish all day long. I do love the fish. I don't listen to it, but I, I, I love them. Look at this perfect little... No, no, no. With that, with what? Shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and a calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? In other words, do churchy stuff. I mean, their churchy stuff look different than our churchy stuff, but it's still churchy stuff. Should I bring this sacrifice? Should I do this? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good. Say good. He's told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? You know what I love about that? To do justice. In other words, watch out for others more than yourself. Be, be there to be sure other people's rights are protected. And then have kindness. Okay, Lord, deal with my heart. I'm not just looking out. I'm, I'm saying, God, me, help me to be able to be a person that loves kindness. Work in my heart your character, God, who you are, God. And then to walk humbly with our God. Lord, when I miss it, show it to me. When I'm off, show it to me. That's good faith. That is, it says right there, what is good? That's good faith. Lord, help me with that. And so my question to you as you leave today is, do you want to be a priest or a pundit? I don't believe you can be both. Do you want to be prophetic or political? I believe God wants us to rise up in kingdom power and responsibility. And in doing that, walk. Everybody say walk. Walk after his spirit. Amen. We just saw how we're we supposed to walk. We do justice. We love kindness. We walk humbly with our Lord. And there's times where pastor may say something that's like a little, uh, ooh, that's a difficult. Okay, I get that. Let's go to Jesus. I'm going to go to Jesus on this sermon too. I need, I need, I need to flesh this out even more. I really do. It's, it's an imperfect sermon. It really is. I know the Lord's led me. I, I want to, Lord, how does this pertain to the gospel even more? Help me understand, God. Hmm. So God, the problem is for some people, this is a stumbling block. 
they, they hear this and all the objections rise up, you know. Can you walk humbly and let the Lord have those objections? He'll help you through those. He really will. And I don't normally do this, but I really wanted you to hear something that I just thought was so appropriate. And so you have to bear with me if this was wrong to share. No names. Pastor Stephanie got an email, and it said this. After hearing Ross still giving voice to this BS manufactured virus, I'll stop there. He did say BS, okay, so he was being polite. And, and I get this virus thing is crazy. I, I understand that. We're trying to show honor. We're trying to follow the, the government's leading a little bit. And listen, if the government said we could not have ministry, we would rise up in revolt. Amen? But you know what we've done for three months? We've had church. It's been different. I told you it was a year of discipleship and development. Y'all have been discipled and developed. You are growing. Yes, you are. Attendance. Oh, my gosh. Both services full and the amount of people watching online. We have more people in a Sunday morning right now than we did before COVID happened right? We've had ministry expression. You have 50 volunteers serving people food on Wednesday all through the three months. We've had counseling. We've had, I mean, all, so, so I get it. We don't understand this whole virus thing. All right. But this is what the frustration was after hearing Ross still getting voice to this manufactured virus and the racial BS. I can't in good faith attend your church any longer. And I wish you the best. Very disappointed in this, but I won't feel guilty for being born white ever, exclamation mark. Good luck as a church. <laughs> Broke my heart. Pastor, why are you sharing that? It stood in such antithesis to this Malachi passage or this Micah passage. I wanted you to see. He says, I can't in good faith attend your church. And I would say, you are absolutely right. You can't in good faith. The scripture taught us what good faith is. What is good? What does the Lord require of you? That's good faith. It's that we do justice. We love kindness and we humble ourselves with God. Amen. And so it breaks my heart. And you know, when I read it that day, I'll just be honest, what popped in my mind was this. Bye, Felicia. Is that wrong? Is that, is that, that might be wrong. I don't know. Is that wrong? It might be wrong. But that's what popped in my heart. Because <laughs> frankly, I'm tired of seeing people carried. Amen? When we walk humbly before the Lord, He changes us. When we try to be kind, He changes us. When we try to find justice, he changes us. And we get our feet on the ground. Amen? You don't need your pastor to carry you. You don't need your church to carry you. You'll have Jesus carrying you. The Prince of Peace. And guess what? You think I lead you into some crazy stuff? You get Jesus leading you, he will walk you into some crazy stuff. This man, in a moment I'll go to him if he has need. I will. I'll go to him in a moment. But it just struck me. I can't in good faith. And you're absolutely right, sir, because that is not good faith. Whoa. This is not good faith. My, my friend, A.W. Tozer, I don't even know him, but I feel like he's a friend I've read so much. He speaks about good faith over and over and over, and it's all about life change. 
And I just want Jesus to change us. Amen? So if it doesn't happen in the church or through the church, it's not going to happen. Jesus is the answer that changes us. Jesus is the answer that changes systems, that tries to keep us all lame. It's all about Jesus. And when he looks to us and says, do you want to be made well? Yes, but if they would. Yes, but if they didn't. Yes, but if they. if they, no, Do you want to be made well? Yes, sir, I do. I want to be made well. And guess what? That response is equally good when a black man says, I want to be made well. Or a white man says, I want to be made well. Or a Hispanic fellow, I want to be made well. Or an Asian fellow, I want to be made well. Let's stand to our feet. Father, would you position us, Lord, as priests, not pundits, Lord God. As prophets, not politicians. Would you allow us to be gospel-centric, Lord God. That your good news, your message, Lord, would flow in and through us. And that we would carry a ministry of reconciliation, Jesus, wherever we go. Lord, help us today to deal with these tough, tough subjects. And let us be known as a church that is diverse, compassionate, and really, really serious about being all that Jesus wants us to be. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.com momentumchurch.tv